This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Let's get to some of your emails because there are people who agree with Pete. There are people who are upset or fretting right now. The RicoB at gmail.com. I want to start off with a really interesting one from Howie C. It's a Yamamoto comparison. Evan and Pete, I was searching the internet to see if there's been a precedent of a Japanese pitcher of Yamamoto's caliber over the last 10 to 15 years and found one that came very close. Masahiro Tanaka. It was almost 10 years ago that Tanaka was posted, and he was also 25. He had won two Sawamura Awards compared to Yamamoto's three. Check out the pitching stats from both of their last three years before playing in the major leagues. The top is Tanaka, below is Yamamoto. Real quick, Tanaka in the three years before he came over, 19-5, and 1-2-7. Yamamoto, 18-5, and 1-3-9. So almost identical stats. Tanaka threw a lot more innings too, by the way. Tanaka's second of last year before he came over, 10-4, and 1-8-3. For Yamamoto, 15 and 5, 168. <laughs> and then finally, the last year before they came over, Tanaka, 24 and 0, 1270 RA, which is just filthy. And Yamamoto, 17 and 6, 116. Very eerily similar. And he's right. Those are very, very similar numbers, both incredibly dominant numbers from both Masahiro Tanaka and Yoshinabu Yamamoto. So Evan and Pete, here's the question. It's a good one. Would you be happy if Yamamoto puts up Masahiro Tanaka-like MLB numbers such as he put on with the Yankees? It's a food for thought since the Mets will be paying him at least $250 million for the next seven to 10 years. Just a quick reminder on what Masahiro Tanaka did while he was over here in his very first year of 2014. He was brilliant before he got hurt. He was 13 and 5 with a 277 ERA. Followed that up with a 35 ERA. Followed that up with a 307 ERA. Followed that up with a 474 ERA. 375, 445, and then finally 2020 is last year shortened season 356. Pete Hoffman would you be happy if that's Yoshinabu Yamamoto's statistics as a New York man? Uh, the last few years were not very good, but I would say I would take it. The first three years were pretty – was the first three were dominant? Or the first – I would say his first year was very the, – the one thing to keep in mind about his first two years is he missed time. And I think that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind. Like 
20 starts, 24 starts are not full seasons. And that's what Tanaka had in his first two years here. 2016 was probably overall his best season because he threw 200 innings or right around that, made 31 starts and had a 307 ERA. Um, They're good. And that would make the New York Mets a lot better. But be honest, that's not what you're expecting if the Mets get Yoshinabu Yamamoto. It's not. No, um, but and they're same they were same age when they came over. Yeah, he was twenty five years old. Yeah, it's a it's a good call by Hal. Yeah, that really is a good call. That sucks. But yeah, no, I wouldn't be thrilled. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I want to answer Howie directly. I think that we believe based on his age, based on his performance, and based on the success of Kodai Senga from last year, where Kodai Senga's first year in the major leagues, I'd say was better than Tanaka's first year. I mean, one of the big differences is that Kodai pitched the entire year, Tanaka didn't. And Kodai Senga did not have the same dominant success that Tanaka had in Japan. So I don't, I think the research is great. But I clearly think in 2023, 2024, things seem to be different. With that said, so I'm answering that my bar is higher than the numbers that Tanaka put up. I absolutely admit that. My bar is this is a legitimate ace, that this is a guy who can be a top-line starting pitcher for the next seven years. Those numbers by Tanaka were not ace numbers. They were good. And he was a damn good Yankee, and he was clutch. And a big spot, I wanted to give him the ball. That matters. But I think what would happen if Yamamoto does that is that would be productive and that would help the Mets, but it's, it would not be what we want. So it's, it's kind of a half answer. Like I'd be disappointed, but that's still pretty important. Like those numbers still are good. And so if he's doing that for the next seven years, I think ultimately when we do the Rico Bronia retrospective on him, we'd say, yeah, we expected more. Yeah, it was disappointing, but that's not a bad player. That's not a bust. So I, that's how I'd answer it. Like, would I take it? I mean, I, that guy makes the Mets better. That guy helps the rotation for the next seven years, so I would take it. But I think overall we'd say, hey, that ended up being a little disappointing. I don't think that's the easy way out on the answer, right, Pete? Like, I'm being honest. I wouldn't be thrilled with I, I wouldn't take it right now when we're projecting him. I wouldn't say it worked out as well as we had thought. But that's still good and helps this baseball team win for the next seven years. So I wouldn't say no to it. Well, because your whole point is, we talked about this last podcast, is how are, you get, how are you getting your innings? And if he couldn't give you those innings, they're not a 6 ERA. They're not a 5 ERA. They're, you know, the, even the, the later years, threes and, and fours, they're not great. But again, is he going out there and pitching? And that's the key, giving yes. you those innings. That's the most important thing. Here's Steve, who is going to sound a lot like Pete right now. Anger and embarrassment. That's the headline. I think David Stearns isn't dedicated to the job. He got $70 million from Cohen, yes, according to Joel Sherman. He can reach 70 with incentives. If Stern didn't get ridiculous money from Cohen, he never would have taken the job. You let the Yankees get Soto for peanuts and we'll get Yamamoto. Epler was flawed, but he cared a lot more about helping the team than fraud Stearns. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Epler tried and was aggressive. Stearns, with his Harvard education, wants to show how smart he is by signing no names. Fans will stop showing up to games if Cohen and Stearns don't get their act together. The team is horrible right now. No way around it. I don't even think they'll win 70 games as of now. Very little talent outside of a few guys. What good is Cohen if he lets the Yankees get all the stars like the late 90s and early 2000s? The Mets signing scrap heap guys in the meanwhile. They could basically spit in our face and it wouldn't be insulting. I have never been as outraged as I am right now. I'm not alone. Many other Met fans I've come across feel the same way. Fans will revolt and boycott. This is Wilpon BS. I can't believe this is happening. I've never disliked an executive as much as David Stearns. Stop smiling like a dummy doll and make moves. I can't take this anymore. Steve. I, I, I like Steve's initial thoughts, but I think he's a little too harsh on Stearns. Yeah, I think you went a little <laughs> overboard. The Mets are bidding on the top pitcher available. We have to keep that in mind. The Mets are going after the top pitcher available. And coming into this offseason, my projection, my prediction was they will go hard after two players. And after that, I'm not sure how hard they go after guys because I don't think the Mets are just going to bid on guys for the sake of bidding on guys. Sometimes free agency makes guys look prettier than they actually are. Just because you're the best available player doesn't mean you're a really good player. Does that make sense? Like, just because Cody Bellinger is the best bat available doesn't make him worth it. So I always thought they would go after Shohei Otani and Yoshinabu Yamamoto. There is a cloud of mystery around Otani. Have the Mets gone after him? I would think that they made phone calls. I would think that they tried to gauge his interest. If the guy doesn't want to come here, he doesn't want to come here. They are clearly going after Yamamoto. And that's why I get. Steve and others saying, I want action, I want action, I want action. I think we all want action. But comparing it to the Will Ponds, it's repulsive. It's not the Will Ponds. They wouldn't be bidding on anybody. And you can't honestly think that they're just showing you fake interest in Yamamoto. Like they're just doing it to get their fans to be appeased. They're going after him. And if they don't get him, I'm t- it's, it's amazing how... Getting him or not getting him is going to change the tone of this offseason in such a major way. It, it is kind of it is crazy because, again, there's not that many names available. And the other thing, too, is I just want to say something because uh, he, he was – Steve, I think, was his name. Very critical of Stearns, bringing in nobodies. I'm not even like – I know I'm sarcastic with the, the list of names that he's brought in. But the reality is, and I said this in a couple podcasts ago – they're brought in a bunch of new scouts. They're going to evaluate talent differently. I'm telling you right now, there's a possibility, possibility that this year is an evaluation of the whole entire major league roster. Pete Alonso, McNeil, uh, Nimmo. I mean, just because they're here, uh, McNeil and Nimmo signed the contracts, doesn't mean they're going to be here for the long run. Yeah, and that's fine, but I think we all want them to compete at the same time. And that's why my bar, which is different than maybe Steve's and maybe some people listening, is – at the bare minimum, they needed to build a rotation. And I think they will. And you got to give this team a chance. It doesn't mean they're going to be favorites or 
be as good as Atlanta. I don't see any scenario where we're going to go into the season thinking they are as good as Atlanta. But what I wanted from the moment they traded Verlander and Scherzer is you have to just rebuild this rotation and give them a shot. Like you couldn't come into this season relying on Tyler McGill and, hey, maybe Christian Scott will come up here and be effective. You could never do that. Or Jose Budo. You couldn't do that. And so my bar, I guess, was a lot lower than maybe some. I wasn't looking necessarily for superstars. I wanted them to go after Otani, sure. But I also believe what I just said, which is don't sign guys for the sake of signing guys. And I think what makes things difficult if they miss out on Yamamoto, who I'm all in for, is they still have to fill out a rotation and you still have to try to win. But you don't want to just sign guys for the sake of signing guys. That's why Blake Snell I'd be against because I feel like that's just the next best shiniest thing. Like maybe to a guy like Steve signing Blake Snell would be, oh, well, we got the guy who won the Cy Young last year. I'd say, no, that's going to be a bad contract. That's going to be a bad contract sooner than you think. So, anyhow, here's another Steve. Steve Michelson writes, Lucas Giolito. Listening to Lucas being discussed, it was mentioned that he had pitched to a 4-5 ERA, which on the surface doesn't sound great. But let me ask you this. If Lucas pitched 30 games with those exact same stats, except it was six innings, three runs every single game, would you take it? I absolutely would. That would make his ERA 4.50 for the year. All of a sudden, 4.5 would be okay. What I love about this email, Steve, and the reason I read it is I had this conversation with my dad when I was eight. And no, I, and I'm not saying that to put you down at all. I'm saying that I never could understand how it's such a bad ERA. Yet if a guy goes six innings and allows three runs, we're pretty damn happy about that performance. So it's funny. It's a great point. I think the answer to it is that no one actually does it that way. Like if there was a guy literally who went six innings, three runs 30 times in a row, I think if we watched him every day, we'd say that guy had the greatest 4.50 ERA ever, but it usually doesn't go that way. It goes with a couple of bad performances, maybe some good performances, and I think when it goes that way, the four or five is bad. But yeah, if you were consistently going six innings, three runs, that's great, especially in 2024. It's just not the way it works.